the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I want to talk to you tonight about, about a promise fulfilled, the promises of Christmas, a promise fulfilled. What is Christmas? Christmas is a promise fulfilled. Say it with me. Christmas is a promise fulfilled. Three things we're going to look at for these next few moments together and the idea of promises and connection with Christmas. The first thing that I want to talk about just for a bit here, and this will be where I will spend most of my time, is to understand that promises are extremely valuable. When you get a promise in your life, a promise is a wonderful treasure that someone can give to you, especially when we think about the promises given to us by God. Oftentimes, we don't really stop and think about the value of a promise. Think about promises that have carried you through tough times. Think about situations in your life where you're not, you're not sure how you would have made it had there not been a promise you were holding on to in that moment. Promises carry us through challenging moments in life. And so let me give you the definition of a promise, uh, just to really the dictionary definition of promise, because we're going to build on that tonight when it comes to the concept, the idea, the experience of Christmas. Webster defines promise, a promise as a declaration, written or verbal, made by one person to another, which binds that person who made it to do a specific act that causes hope expectation or assurance. Someone says to another person, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be a response from me to you. And there's going to be something in that promise that creates hope, that creates expectation, and gives you assurance. There really is no promise without, with a promise, coming hope, expectation, and the other word that I just mentioned there is the word assurance, the idea that somebody is assuring you of something that's going to transpire, something that's going to come your way. And when you study the Bible, promise is a really big word in the Bible, and it's a really big concept all through the pages of, of Scripture, because promises run from Genesis to Revelation. You can't hardly open up any page of your Scriptures, your Bible, without finding some promise that God gives to His people, that God gives to us. 
I want to walk you through some examples of what the Scripture says about the value of the promises of God. Take a look with me at what the, what the writer of Psalms, Psalm 119, verse 162 says, I rejoice in your... What are we talking about tonight? The psalmist says, I rejoice, I find joy, I find fulfillment, I find a lot of wonderful positive things in your promise, talking about God's promise, like one who finds great spoil. That word spoil was used to describe military, uh, military advances that would happen, and in the context of that, they would take treasures from those they captured. And so the psalmist says, I'm rejoicing in your promise, it's like one that finds great treasure for one's life. Do you think of the promises of God as a great treasure for you? Let's take a look at this next verse of Scripture in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, we're talking about a man named Abraham and how his life was changed, enriched by the promises of God. When God made his, what's that word again? Promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will, here's the promise, I will surely do what? Bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham did what? Abraham received what was, here's the word again, promise. We're going to get to Christmas in a moment because all this builds up to the idea of Christmas. The scripture says of Abraham that he was a man who was given a promise by God. And the promise was, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You're going to have a descendant. And when God gave Abraham this promise, Abraham was 75 years old. He did not have, he nor his wife had the ability to produce children. So it was something given that produced hope inside of them, anticipation of their future and God delivered on everything that was promised when Sarah was 90 years old approximately and Abraham was approximately 100 years old they had a son does anyone remember his name his name was Isaac take a look at this next verse of scripture he's talking now about 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 his wife Sarah and by faith even Sarah who was past childbearing age I would say if you're 90 you're past childbearing age right was enabled to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful, who had made the... There's the word again. Take a look at this verse. I love this one. Why don't you read it together with me aloud and loudly? Here we go. For no matter how many... Stop there for a moment. What's the word again? Promises. No matter how many promises God has made, they are... Yes, in Christ, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So in essence, what that verse tells us is that when you read and find a promise from God in the Scriptures, they're for you because if you're in Christ, all of God's promises are for you. And what you need to simply do is add an amen to the promise of God. And amen says, so be it. That's the meaning of the word amen. And so I read a promise from Scripture, and I say, amen. That's mine. So be it in my life because I'm in relationship with God. The promises of God become available to you and me. Now, why are promises so important to your life? You need the promises of God in your life. Why? Let's take a look at some reasons why you need them. Because a promise always will address the possibility of change and relief from some undesirable circumstances and situations. A promise says, you know, you're not going to stay in this forever. Isn't that good news whenever you're going through a tough time? 
This is not going to last forever. So a promise addresses the possibility of change, the possibility of relief in your life from something that's undesirable, a circumstance, a situation that you need to get out of. And so the promise is there for you to carry you through those moments. Take a look at the next one here. They inspire hope for something better. Do any of you hope that there'll be a better tomorrow than there was yesterday? Do you have a hope that somehow something in the future is going to unfold in your life that will be a positive anticipation for what is yet to come? And so promises give you hope that something's down the pathway for you. It's coming into your life. Also, they motivate movement towards something higher and nobler. If you have the promise, then what you tend to do is you go toward what you focus on. Anything you focus on, it'll draw you toward it. Anything your mind is on, you'll go in the direction of your focus. And so if the promise of God is the focus of your life, what will you do? You will move by nature toward the promise. You'll move toward the hope. And all of us need to be moving in the the direction of the hope given to us by the promises of God. Here's a fourth thing that promises do for us. They provide artillery in fighting weariness, despair, and discouragement. Sometimes you need some artillery in your life to fight your battles. Is that true? You got battles that are going on. You need to fight those battles because you're getting weary and you're despairing and you're getting discouraged. And so what do you do? You pull out that, that wonderful thing called the promise, the promise of God. And it gives you the uh, artillery, something to shoot at the adversary as he's somehow trying to wear you down and create the lack of hope in your life. Now, the promise of God is really wrapped up in Christmas because Christmas is all about God fulfilling a promise. I'll get more to that in just a moment, but you need to understand that Christmas is about a promise from God. And you'll never appreciate a promise until, first of all, you appreciate and understand your need for that promise, right? If you don't feel a need for a promise, the promise will mean nothing to you, okay? If you already have everything you need, if you have a a bank account with millions of dollars, and I come and I say, I promise you I'm going to give you $100, you're not going to be impressed with that, right? Because you already have everything you have need of. And so a promise is only a valuable thing in your life if you know that you need it. And I want to tell you that we need it as human beings. We desperately needed the fulfillment of the promise of Christ coming to earth. I needed it. You needed it. The Bible's very clear about what we needed in relationship with God because this is where we were in our lives before Jesus. Notice Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. As for you, you can use me right there, as for us, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were not just bad, you were dead. A lot of people think, well, I was bad before Jesus. No, you weren't just bad. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The writer goes on to say here, Paul does, all of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of what? Wrath. Let's stop there for a moment. You're never going to appreciate Christmas unless you really understand the condition you were in and we're all in apart from Christ. 
If you think you're just kind of a nice person trying to do the best you can, and you're not really sure that you, you, you need a Savior, you'll never appreciate a Savior unless you know that you need a Savior. And so that's why the Scripture is so clear about helping us to understand that before Christ, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We, we, were, we were without hope in the world. All we had was what the world offered us. We had no hope for eternal life. We were missing something of essence. And so again, until you understand your need for a Savior, you will not appreciate the fact that God sent His only begotten Son into our world as our Savior. So when God extended himself to us in what we know to be Christmas. What he did is he said this, I am going to promise you something in the midst of this condition, this terrible need that you have in your life. My promise to you is I'm going to send you a savior. I'm going to send you a redeemer. I want you to know that help is on the way. He gave this promise thousands and hundreds of years before Christ was born. He kept telling the world, the Savior's coming, the Savior's coming, the Savior's coming, the Savior's coming. Don't give up hope. I'm sending my Redeemer into the world. And so Christmas is all about a promise that God gave to humanity that he fulfilled. Let's take a look now at Genesis chapter 12. I want you to see this process again. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Don't stop there. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This was a promise given to Abraham. But it was a promise given to Abraham, not just about Abraham and Isaac and his seed. It was a promise given to Abraham about the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, because the inclusion here, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham, through your seed, the Messiah is going to come and all people will be blessed. Do you know that around the world today, from every tongue and tribe and nation, there are people who name the name of Jesus? peoples all around the world who come to Christ because of the fulfillment of this promise. You see the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus. The genealogy of who? Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Are you beginning to see these are promises that God said, I am going to fulfill? And you have to understand that promises are extremely valuable and Christmas was built upon promises, promise after promise after promise that eventually are fulfilled. That's the second point that I want you to see tonight. First of all, you're grateful for God's promise for the coming of Jesus, right? And here's the second thing, fulfill promises bring what? Bring joy. Anytime a, a promise is fulfilled, there's joy. And one of the words associated with Christmas, I, just, I would just encourage you, uh, look on some Christmas cards, drive around and look at some Christmas decorations, and I would imagine you're going to see this word a lot, right? Joy, peace, these are words that pop up around Christmas all the time. Why? Because Christmas is associated with joy. Promises bring joy, and fulfilled promises bring great joy. I'll say that again. Promises, when you have a need in your life, and somebody comes along and says, I'm going to meet that need, what does that give you? 
joy. But when they come through and the promise is fulfilled, you don't just have joy, you now have great joy. There's a difference between joy and great joy. Take a look at the shepherds, because the shepherds describe this in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. While they were there, the time came, this is when Jesus was about to be born near Bethlehem. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now let's see what the angels say. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior. Read those words with me. Not will be born. Not might be born has been born. So there that night as these shepherds were out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks, the angel showed up in, in, in their midst and they were terrified. And the angel said, no, 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 don't be afraid. What's happened in your midst is this, the one that was promised that the joyous, the joyous promise that was given hundreds and thousands of years ago by God has now been fulfilled. And so it's not a matter of having joy. I want you to have great joy. Don't be afraid because you have great joy because the, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So a promise brings joy but a fulfilled promise brings great joy. So at what level should our joy be? Great joy in the fact that Jesus came. There's nothing greater than that reality. Here's our final point. Promises are valuable. Fulfilled promises are important for us. Obviously, they bring mega joy. The third thing is fulfilled promises bring us faith for our future. Boy, I love the fact that if God fulfilled his promise in the past, guess what he'll do with his promise in your future? I'm not sure you heard that, okay? Let me say it again. If God, if God fulfilled promises from the past, what can you expect him to do in your present and in your future? You can expect... God doesn't lie, okay? God doesn't lie. God never gives a promise that he doesn't fulfill, as we saw, thousands and hundreds of years before Christ was born, he said, hey, it's coming. A virgin is going to conceive, give birth. Oh, by the way, Bethlehem's going to be the place. You can go to Bethlehem now and go to the church of the nativity, and they have a place that, 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 that is recognized as the birthplace of Jesus. We're not sure if it's right there or not, but it's certainly near to there where Jesus was born. It's a reality. People celebrate that. And so, again, promises in the past that were fulfilled. The shepherds experienced it. Mary and Joseph obviously understood that as well as so many did as Jesus grew up and entered into ministry. But it also has something to say to you and me. It's about our future. It builds confidence in us because if he fulfilled a promise in the past, he will fulfill a promise in the future. If I make a promise to you, this is so basic and so rudimentary, but it's so important. If I make a promise to you and I don't deliver on that promise, 
what's going to happen the next time I come around and make a promise to you? You don't pay any attention to me, right? Not at all. But if I make a promise to you and I fulfill that promise, the next time I come around and make a promise to you, what are you going to expect? That it'll, be, it'll happen. And so you and I have to understand this is vital to us that if God fulfilled the promise through his prophets of sending Jesus, he's in the business of fulfilling promises. He never makes anything that is not fulfilled uh, by, his, by his power and by his plan. And so here we see that this promise of his coming was fulfilled. But I want to help you to understand not only your own life, but something more that is out in the future because there's another promise of another big day that hasn't arrived yet, and that's the promise of his second coming. Okay. If the promise of his first coming was fulfilled, will the promise of his second coming be fulfilled? So you got to understand this because we're not just, this world in which we live is a temporary place. It's not going to be like this forever. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't buy into the idea this is all there is. No, I'm telling you that thousands and hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet said, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Now we're here because he came. We're celebrating the reality of his first coming. And by the way, he said, and also I am coming again. Take a look at this in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. This is his ascension to Jesus going up from the Mount of Olives and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently upon the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And so let's stop there for a moment. Here are the the apostles and they're watching Jesus ascend into heaven. He's going up and they're trying to wrap their mind around this and finally two men, actually they were angels dressed in white that stood beside them. And here's what the angels said. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky. This same Jesus, say it with me, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven. Notice this. Here's the promise. He will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So he says, look, understand something. This, this is not the end of the story. I used my prophets thousands of years years ago to tell you that he was coming. He came and did what he came to do by dying on the cross and redeeming mankind and rising from the grave. And now you've watched him ascend into heaven. But understand, this is not the end of the story. Why do you stand here gazing there? Get busy, do your work, but understand this, that he is coming back in the same manner in which he left Jesus is coming back a second time, okay? A second time. And it's surely, oh, I hope you'll get this in your heart because the Bible says that when we look forward to the second coming of Jesus, it purifies our heart. It purifies our heart. There's something, when you live with an awareness that Jesus came the first time, yes, but he's coming back a second time. He came as the suffering servant, but he's coming back as the conquering king, okay? Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to him. 
And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.